Father, we just thank you today, Lord. We bless your name. We praise you, Father. We just choose to come and sit in your presence today, Lord, to be refreshed, to be revived, to be restored. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we honor you. We bless your name. We bless you, Jesus. You are the Lamb of God. You are the coming King. You are the Alpha. You are the Omega. You are the beginning and the end and everything in between. And there is no one like you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you. We thank you, Father. We bless your name. I just want to praise you. Lift my hands and say, I love you. You are everything to me and I exalt your holy name. I exalt your holy name. I exalt your holy name. On high, we bow before you today, Lord. We thank you, Father. You said, Lord, that you sing songs of victory and deliverance over us. And I praise you today for this, my brother, my sister, who are here with me today, Father. I pray, Lord, that we just take some time out and sit in your presence, Lord, in the name of Jesus, because in your presence there is fullness of joy. We praise you, Jesus. We lift up your name. We thank you, Jesus, as we magnify you, Lord, the things of the world, the things that the enemy has been doing, the things that we have been uh, contaminated with in the world, diminish, Lord, in the glory of your presence. We praise you and we thank you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. Majesty, worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom authority flows from his throne unto his own. His anthem raise, so exalt, lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify Christ Jesus our King. Majesty, worship his majesty, Jesus who died is now glorified, he's the king of all kings, so exalt, lift up on high, the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify, 
Christ Jesus our King, majesty, worship his majesty, Jesus who died is now glorified, he's the King of all kings, so lift up your hands to the coming King. Bow before him and adore him, sing to his majesty. Let your praises be pure and holy, giving glory to the King of kings. Let your glory fill this house. Let your praises fill my heart. Let each vessel offer unto you the sacrifice of praise. For you alone are holy. You alone are worthy. You deserve the glory. Jesus, you alone. For you alone are holy. You alone are worthy. And you deserve the glory, Jesus, you alone. Lord, we praise you. We thank you today, Father, no matter what people are going through, no matter what situations are going on in homes, in businesses, in workplaces, in families, in communities, even in nations, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you sit on the throne and you laugh at the enemy, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you are in control. We praise you in the name of Jesus. You're not the author of disaster. You're not the author of destruction. Satan is. But, Lord Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the answer, Lord. We praise you and we thank you today. We thank you, Father, for your precious Holy Spirit. We submit to you today, Lord. And we ask you to speak to us, Lord, and lead us and guide us in this time of fellowship with you, of sweet communion, of just alone time with you. I thank you and I praise you, Father, for an anointing to fall upon us today, the anointing of the, the power of God, because the power of God is present to heal here today. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. We praise you, Jesus. I pray an increase, Lord, in the supernatural anointing, power of God flowing in this my brother, in this my sister, in their lives, in their family, in their physical body, in their mind, in their finances, in their, in their job or their business situation. Father, I thank you for a supernatural increase today in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, you always confirm your word with signs following. And I praise you and I thank you, Lord, that as we nestle in, into your arms, Lord, to listen and to hear what it is that's on your heart, you know, and I just, I don't really have much, 
prepared here today. In fact, I've not nothing at all prepared except a couple of um, notes on my laptop because I I hurt my hand the other day and my my typing hand and my writing hand is right now in a bandage. But this is what I heard the other night. I can hear your heartbeat. And, you know, back in the 80s, there was a song by um, Chris Rhea. You know, and the Lord very often speaks to me in music and song. And um, <clears throat> It was a song called I Can Hear Your Heartbeat. And that song just came into my head. And I just split second saw a picture of someone, you know, nestled in to God's right upon his chest and and cradled in his arms. And, you know, that's for each one of us. That's who we are. We're his precious children. And God loves us as a tender and compassionate father. And he wants us to come to that place where we come like a little child comes to, to their daddy at the end of the day or, you know, in the morning and they sit in and, and you know, that sit up on their lap and squish themselves right in, you know, so that they're nice and comfortable. And the daddy puts his arms around them and, and, and holds them close. That's the picture I saw. And, you know, when we're in that position with the Lord in the spirit realm, when we are snuggled in to hear what it is that he has to say to us, we can actually hear his heart beat. Try it. If you don't believe me, try it with someone around you. <laughs> Go find somebody and say, excuse me, can I lay my head up against you <laughs> for a minute? And you can hear their heartbeat. And when we get into that, and when we adopt that posture of a little child, Jesus said that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they come as a little child. That's not in a, in a childish way. But as a little child, children are trusting. They, they know they're not strong. They know they can't do this or do that. They know they need help. That's why they come and they say, Mama, Dada. You know, and they, they come and they look for help. They come with their arms lifted up. Lift me up. Lift me up higher so I can see. And that's what the Lord wants us to come to him as, as little children who trust him who are safe and secure and know that we're safe and secure when we're with him. And when we are cradled in his arms, we can hear his heart beating. And you know what his heart is beating with? His heart is beating with love for you. We can hear the whispers. When a, when a, a dad is, is putting their little baby to sleep, he will whisper to them, you know, shh. Off you go now. Everything's going to be okay. I love you so much. You're so precious to me. You're going to be great. Wait till you see when you grow up someday. You're going to be a mighty man, a mighty woman on this earth. That's what the Lord is speaking to you, friend. It's just that in our uh, small-minded mentality where we have been trained and conditioned by the world to to you know, zone out of hearing what's on God's heart and to instead listen and be contaminated and influenced by the, the trash that's coming off of media or out of other people's mouths. 
you know, or even out of our own mouths, the stupid things we've said, the muttering, the complaining, the grumbling, what that's done is it has it has formed a wall of resistance inside of us that we, you know, we forget what the sound of God's voice is like. We forget how tender, how compassionate he is. Praise God. We thank you, Father, today for, for your connection by the power of your spirit to us. Let's go to Psalm 103. I trust the Lord with this word today because, as I said, I have no notes. I can barely turn the <laughs> the page right now because of this huge bandage on my hand. But anyway, praise God. Thank you, Father, for complete healing and wholeness flowing in my hand in Jesus' name. I burnt it. But anyway, it's fine. Let's look at Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise God. Now I want you to go back. And we're going to read it again. And this time we're going to read it in the first person. Let's start again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Let's say it together. I will not forget all his benefits. I will not forget all his benefits. I will remind myself of his benefits. What does he do? What are his benefits? He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. He redeems my life from destruction. He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise God. This is what time with the Lord does. This is what happens when we meditate on his word. And when we study his word, we are spending time with him because he sent his word to heal us, to deliver us from every destruction. His word is Jesus. Jesus is his word made manifest. The word of God is Jesus. And as we uh, study his word, as we as we learn his word, as we memorize it, as we meditate on it, as we think about it, as we, uh, you know, focus on God's word and what he says instead of what our circumstances say or instead of what uh, so-and-so or the media or this one or that one has said, as we say, well, no, hang on, what God's word said is opposite to that. So that's what I'm going to say as well. What we're doing there is we are meditating on his word and we are studying and growing in the knowledge of him. Because the word of God is alive and sharper than any double-edged sword. And the word of God pierces uh, between the soul and the spirit, between the joint and the marrow. You know, the marrow of the body is held deep inside of the joint and the joint needs to be exposed in order for the marrow to be brought out. That's how, how much 
um, God's word, uh, you know, uh, penetrates into every situation and penetrates into us, into our lives. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Just leaving the dog out there again. <laughs> anyway, look, he crowns us with loving kindness and with tender mercies. He satisfies our mouths with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagle. There are times where we need regeneration in our physical bodies, in our, in our minds, in our hearts, even in our skin, even in our hair. We need to be regenerated. And that will come from spending time with the Lord because he will give us wisdom. He will give us direction. He will show us what to do. He'll give us strategies. Let's read Sam, or verse 6. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Hallelujah. He judges in your favor. Say that with me. The Lord judges in my favor. And he releases me and heals me from everything that the enemy has tried to oppress me with. He made known his way to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. We have been redeemed from our sins and iniquities. Jesus paid the ransom note. You know, the other day my daughter uh, wanted a pizza and she was in town and she had only cash on her and she had no card. And she rang me and she said, uh, they want a card. And so I phoned the pizza company and I paid for her pizza with my card. And so then I texted her and I said, um, you go now and you collect it, but make sure they don't try and charge you because I've already paid for it. And, you know, it really, the Lord really spoke to me in that instant and said, that's what I did with Jesus. He sent Jesus to pay our ransom note because we never, we could never pay the penalty that was due to us for our sins or for our iniquities, the things coming down the generations. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has he punished us according to our iniquities. Verse 11, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And then in 13, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. And I just want to look at that in the, in the NLT. I think I prefer what it says there. In verse 13 in the NLT version, it says, The Lord is like a father to his children tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass. Like wildflowers, we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone, as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant 
of those who obey his commandments. Praise God. And isn't that the truth, friend? You know, um, sadly, a lot of people have died in this COVID um, crisis and this virus. And, you know, they haven't been able to have funerals um, like the way, well, in Ireland, our our way of having funerals, I often thought was, I don't know, I suppose a lot of people like it because it means that they can go and offer their sympathies and, and people are always so kind around the time of funerals. You know, they really do come and they they minister to, to those who have been bereaved and they bring so much food and cards and kindness and everything, you know, but... Uh, in many ways, funerals can be a massive ordeal, and and you know, especially in in a funeral home situation where there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming through, and you know, wishing to offer their 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 condolences to the family. And right now, you know, funerals have been like everything else, whittled down to a very basic, um, just ten people from the family or whatever. But you know. Many people have died, and unless you're keeping up to date with the the um, the deaths on the you know on the on the the websites or, or, or the newspapers where they where they um, issue them. Sorry, I hope you can't hear that dog barking in the background. But anyway, uh, he. <laughs> It's like that book, Where's Wally? You know, you have to keep finding where Wally is in each page. This is like, when's Coco going to interrupt this? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so many people have died. And unless you're keeping up to date with the, the, the published deaths, you know, there can be people who have died and you didn't even know it. And like we just read there, you know, there, our days on earth are like grass. We are only dust. We are like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we're gone as though we have never been here. And this is why so many people are frightened of death and dying. Because, you see, death is really only the beginning. Because this world doesn't remember you here. Yes, you can leave a wonderful legacy. Yes, you can leave your wonderful family. And and they're your legacy. And, And maybe whatever it is you've done in life will stand. But, you know, I I just think that's such a poignant line. The wind blows and we are gone as though we have never been here. But we will be somewhere. And when a person shuts their eyes on this earth, you know, they will open them instantly to either be with the Lord or they will open them instantly to uh, end up in hell, separated from God forever. And that separation you know, is so uh, heart-wrenching. I was watching a testimony, and I, I put it up on our website, of a young boy who um, got some kind of sickness where he, he actually left his body, and he ended up in hell. And he said the horrible thing about it was the heat. He said, he said it was actually really quick to get there. He said the scariest thing was how fast he ended up there. He just closed his eyes and sort of fell and he was there. And uh, he said that the heat there was unbearable and that he was so, so thirsty. But he said it wasn't like a thirst 
in his throat for water. It was like a thirst deep down inside of him. And I just thought of that scripture where Jesus said, let everyone who is thirsty come to me. He told the woman, um, the Samaritan woman, he said, you know, I will give you living water and you will never thirst again. And that's what that boy said, is that hell, what he experienced in hell was this thirst for God and that he knew it was too late. And that's the fact, friend, is that when we close our eyes on this earth, it's too late then to make a decision for God. It's too late then to give our lives to Jesus. And that's what this boy experienced. And all the time his father was driving him to the hospital at this point, he was in a coma of some kind. And the father was speaking out scriptures and praying. He was a, The father was a pastor. And uh, he was uh, praying over the son. And the, the Lord told him, call his name in the same way that uh, Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. So he called his name. The boy's name was Joshua. And he said, Joshua! And the son came around and woke up and he immediately closed his eyes again. And this time he saw heaven. So the Lord allowed him to see both hell and heaven. And he said heaven was a very different uh, place. But, you know, many people are terrified of dying because their spirit, you see, we are a three-part being in the same way that God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have been made in his image and likeness, and we are a three-part being. And when we used to do the, the children's room lango, we used to use an egg to explain this. An egg has three parts. It has the shell, it has the white, and it has the yolk. And in the same way, the shell, our physical body is our shell. And the white and the yolk... Uh, are like our soul and our spirit. And our soul is our mind, our emotions, our feelings, you know, and our soul is eternal. And our spirit is um, our, our inner person, our inner man. And it is the real, that, that is the real person. And so when we die, we shed our shell, if you like. We shed, we shed our outer layer, which is our physical body. That's what dies. But our soul and our spirit go on forever in one of two places. And that boy said the thing that shocked him the greatest was how fast he ended up in hell. That it was just a matter of him falling and he was instantly there. But he said when he saw heaven, it took him a lot longer to get uh, up towards heaven. And, you know, that reminds us of that scripture where Jesus said, you know, wide and broad is the pathway to hell. And many people find that way because it's so easy to get on that road to destruction. But narrow is the path to eternal life and heaven. And very few find it. Because, you see, on a narrow path, you can't carry anything with you. You have to shed things. And there are many people, even wonderful Christian people, who are going through life and they're carrying bitterness and grudges, um, maybe, uh, you know, resentment from the past. They are carrying things that are weighing them down, carrying sins and iniquities. And uh, they're not willing to shed them and they're not willing to let them go. 
And Jesus said that when he, on the day of, of the Lord, the day of judgment, when that day comes, that many will come to him saying, Lord, we did this for you. We did that for you. We did all these wonderful works for you. And he'll say, depart from me because I never knew you. And there is an intimacy that is required. And intimacy only comes by us spending time with somebody. Intimacy only comes as we take time out and say, this is where I am sitting down to listen and to talk to the Lord. Maybe it's out in your car and you're finally alone. (laughs) You say, Lord, I'm here to hear what you're saying to me today. I ask you to, to speak to me by the power of your spirit. I thank you, Father, for loving me. As we, you know, as we worship him, as we, like we did earlier on there, and, you know, I apologize for my singing, but I, I encourage you to sing over it, sing louder so you can't hear me. Uh, but, I, you know, as we worship the Lord and as we adopt a posture of being a worshiper, what happens is, is that, you know, God loves to hear you sing. He loves to hear your voice. He loves to hear you say, Father, I'm here to spend time with you today, just to love you, just to thank you for everything you've done for me. And, you know, just as a as a father will react to his little child when they come and say, Daddy, can I sing a song for you? And he'll say, oh, please sing me your song. You know, and, and the father will just rejoice as he listens to the child. And, and you know, they might be totally off key or totally uh, not know the words or made up words. And the dad thinks you are just the cutest, most beautiful thing that ever got legs. And that's what God thinks about you, friend. He loves you so much. And, you know, by spending time with him and by becoming more intimate with him, and and that word intimacy in the Bible, several places where Jesus said it, even when he said, you know, uh, where he'll say at the end of time to those who'll come to him saying, Lord, we did this in your name and we did that in your name. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. That word know there, what that translates to is I never knew you intimately in the same way that a husband intimately knows his wife and a wife intimately knows her husband. So that's fair intimacy, you know, and and the Lord, it's not that, you know, the Lord is is speaking in any way sexually there to you, but he is speaking in a way of, of, you know, no holes barred. He knows everything about you. We just read it there. He knows you're only dust. He knows how weak you are. He knows all the things you've done. And guess what? He still loves you. He knows all the things that you've gone through. And he loves you and he wants to lift you up out of that place of of turmoil or out of that place of stress or fear or that miry clay of oppression and depression. That is not God's best for you. And as you climb up on his lap and snuggle into his arms and allow him to cradle you and allow him to be tender as a tender father, to you, compassionate and loving and gentle, you will hear what's on his heart. You will hear his heart beating. Amen. So the wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. That's verse 16. As the wind passes over, it's gone and its place remembers it no more. 
we will end up in one of two places. We will end up either in heaven or in hell. And the Bible promises us that whoever puts their trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this is the way of eternal life, to know him, Jesus, who came, the Son of God, who came as a human being, as one of us, and lived his life in, in never sinned. And then gave his life up for us so that we could be saved. When we call upon his name, we are saved. When we acknowledge him as Lord and make him Lord of our lives. There's a difference, you see, in saying, oh yeah, Jesus is Lord and and actually making him Lord. But when we do that, we will be saved. Whoever puts their trust in the Lord shall be saved. And then it says, his salvation extends to the children's children. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. That means his salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. So there are, you know, uh, there is a condition attached to coming to know the Lord and to receiving eternal life. It is obeying his word, number one. And this is what I'm saying about many people who who start off on the path um, to eternal life, but they're unwilling to let go of the things they've been bringing with them, unwilling to shed the load. We need to get rid of those things and obey his word. His word tells us that we have to have mercy. His word tells us that in the same way that he has forgiven us, we must forgive those who have hurt us, who have, you know, uh, spoken ill of us or done things to us or whatever. We need to let those things go. We need to obey his commandments. We need to live right. And then are faithful to his covenant. We need to know that there is a covenant that has been made between God and mankind. The old covenant was the law that he gave to Moses on the tablets. And the new covenant is where Jesus laid down his life and shed his blood so that we could be forgiven and made right with God and brought back into relationship with him as his children, as if we had never sinned. That's why we just read a minute ago in, in Psalm 103 that as far as the east is from the west, So far has he removed our sins from us. Now, how far is the east from the west? No one can measure that distance. God took our sins. He put them on his son Jesus on the cross. And then he turned his face away from Jesus. That's why Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God turned his face away from his own son because he couldn't look at sin. And Jesus at that point had become sin for all of mankind. He took them upon himself and he became sin so that we could be forgiven and so that we could be redeemed and so that we could be restored to the Father, that we could come then through the perfect blood of his son Jesus So that when God looks at you and when God looks at me, he no longer sees us in our sinful state. He no longer sees the things that we used to do. He sees Jesus. He sees the blood that Jesus shed. 
And then we can come as his children and sit on his lap and listen to his heartbeat. That's the covenant he's made with us now. And it's a covenant that has been now written on our hearts so that we don't have to constantly, you know, try to figure out what's right and wrong. We know what's right and wrong. And as we follow his word and do his word, you know, we're living right and we have the free gift of righteousness. Jesus gave us his right standing with God because we could never make ourselves right. We could never do enough good things. The Lord has made the heavens his throne and from there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. The angels wait to hear God's commands. And upon this earth, we are the body of Christ. Because we believe in Jesus, we are now part of his body on this earth. The body of Christ is the church, his people, those ones who believe and trust in him. And we have the authority and the power and the right to use his word and to speak his word. And the angels, the ministering angels and ministering spirits are waiting to hear his word being commanded. And they go and do that word. And that is why we can pray, you know, Father, I thank you today for the blood of Jesus covering me and my family. I thank you, Father, for your ministering angels that stand and guard and protect each one. And I command those angels to go now today and go with my, you know, your, your, your family members in their cars and go and stand in their workplaces or in their schools, guard them and protect them. I thank you, Father, for your ministering angels bringing every provision that I need today uh, to me. In Jesus' name, those angels are waiting there. We don't talk to the angels. We don't communicate with them, but we command them with the word of God. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent from God? Father, I praise you in the name of Jesus today. I just speak those angels now. Go forth for my brother and my sister here and for every need that they have, Lord, to be met in Jesus' name. I thank you for supernatural, abundant provision for them in every area of their lives, Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for fresh power, fresh anointing, fresh fire from heaven today Lord I thank you Father this is a new season in the name of Jesus it's a new season for them in Jesus name I just want to go to Zephaniah Um, it's one of the minor prophets it's a scripture I've often taught about and I believe it's a word in season for you hopefully now that I can find Zephaniah maybe I'll just do it on the computer it'll be faster praise God Hmm. One second. Right now, today, I'm a one-armed bandit. (laughs) 
Okay, there we are. Zephaniah, it's right after the book of Habakkuk. And it's right before the book of Haggai. And it's Zephaniah chapter 3. And verse 17. And I'm reading it from the NLT. I'm going to read it actually from, um, praise God, from verse 14. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. For the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemy. And the Lord himself, the King of Israel, will live among you. At last, your troubles will be over and you will never again fear disaster. On that day, the announcement to Jerusalem will be, Cheer up, Zion, don't be afraid, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty saviour. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs of deliverance. In Jesus' name. Praise God. You know, the Lord, he rejoices over you. And with his love, he calms all your fears. So no matter what situation is going on that's trying to cause fear or trying to cause turmoil, uh, you just bring it to the Lord and and then quieten down and listen to hear what he's, what he's saying to you through his word, what it is that he's witnessing with you to do. He will give you a strategy, a divine strategy of how to overcome every enemy that comes against you. We saw there like that there are armies of your enemy, but the Lord will disperse them. As you get into that place of trusting in him, whoever trusts in the Lord will never be put to shame. That's in Romans chapter uh, 10, if we want to go there, please. Romans chapter 10. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, we praise you, Jesus. We thank you for a fresh anointing today, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Romans chapter 10, it's speaking about how to be saved, how to come into that place of receiving salvation from God. And it's something, you know, the last couple of nights I've had dreams, um, two dreams, and they've involved uh, people from our fellowship and they've been good dreams. And they've been dreams about people coming to a place of being strong in the Lord and of coming into a place of ministering to others. And in one of the dreams, uh, it was in a very small car and there was a number of people in the back seat of the car and it was quite hot back there and, and we had to put the windows down. And I knew that I only had, uh, there was another couple of people with me. Um, and I knew that I only had uh, about five minutes maximum to minister to these people who were in the back seat who needed salvation. And there was uh, another family member who, who I sent off in another direction. And I told her to go 
there was uh, some people who I knew um, of them and and uh, a mother and a son and they needed to be ministered to and both of them were lying in a bed um, you know kind of like sickly and, and the son is actually a grown up adult now but in this dream he was a small child and he was lying in the bed behind his mother and both of them were very sick, very ill and they needed ministry and you see friends, the thing is as you grow in the Lord, as you get to know him and as you study his word, he puts on your heart, his heart, as you hear what's in his heart, his heart is for other people. And you cannot help but share the gospel with other people. You cannot help but go and minister to them and love them. And unfortunately, many people have have maybe... Uh, come at this from a religious mindset rather than from a mindset of love. And this is why you have many people who go out and, and you know, they're, they're shouting and roaring and condemning uh, unbelievers. And, you know, those unbelievers are only doing what they know to do because they don't know the Lord. And how people come to know the Lord is when they, they come into his presence, when they, when they come to see his love and his goodness. The Bible tells us in Romans that it's the goodness of God leads to repentance. And so in these dreams that I had, I just saw that the, the people in, in our fellowship were, were, were growing so strong in their relationship with the Lord that they were then able to minister to other people. And we were able to deliver you know, the gospel in in a very easy to understand manner. And I always think that the easiest way to learn to learn anything is when you see it being done practically. And so this is where Christians need to understand that it's as we practically explain the gospel to people, as we live it out, as we show them how much we love them, as we as we operate in a spirit of love, as we operate in a spirit of generosity and patience and mercy and kindness and humility, that that is where we display the love of God and the mercy of God. And that is how people's hearts are turned. And as we pray for them, as we intercede, as we stand in the gap for those people, maybe even our enemies, definitely our enemies, we need to stand in the gap for them and cry out to God. Because nobody knows what tomorrow is going to bring. And there are many people who are coming against you, maybe. And, and they don't realize they're actually walking along the precipice of a cliff that leads down into a deep abyss. They have no idea that they are opening up their lives to disaster and destruction and curse and eternal separation from God. And we need to be crying out for them. And, and calling on the name of the Lord to ask him to prepare their hearts, to open their hearts to receive his love. And to ask him for open doors of opportunity where we can share the love of God with them. To ask the Lord for gifts of the Spirit to be operating in our lives where we get words of knowledge, where we get gifts of healing, where we get, you know, uh, discerning of spirits. To be able to bring forth the full covenant that Jesus won at the cross. Not just for us and our family, not just for me and myself and, and all of my people, but for all of those people out there. 
And you see, that's the other thing is that many people are looking at, oh, I need a ministry where I, you know, a big ministry, you know, to reach the world. And, and they won't reach their brother or their sister in, in the room next door to them. Or they won't reach the neighbor uh, next door to them. They want to go to the world. Listen, that's, that's an orphan spirit in operation there. I'll tell you now that for nothing. And it needs to be uh, repented of and renounced. And there's nothing wrong with having a desire to go and preach the gospel to the world. But make sure that you first of all lived it out in your own circle and in your own family. And that you have been a light and a witness. And you see, that's the thing. God said, you know, many who are, who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. There's many people who will put themselves to be first and will, will be filled up with pride and puffed up and, the, and you know, uh, wanting affirmation from, from people rather than spending time with God and hearing what's on his heart. You have to put in the commitment and intercession, I believe, is uh, interceding in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, Singing psalms, singing in the spirit is where you will hear what's on God's heartbeat and where he will elevate you and bring you up. So you won't have to try and bring yourself up. There's nothing wrong with wanting to go to the world with the gospel. That is a wonderful, wonderful um, attribute and, and ministry. But first of all, take some time to hear what God is saying to you about your own, about your own circle. Uh-oh. Praise God. In those dreams, anyway, in the second dream, that was the first dream that we, we had literally five minutes to preach a very simple gospel to these people in the back seat of a car. A car in dreams. You know, the Lord speaks in dreams a lot. He speaks prophetically in dreams. And a car, when you dream of a car or a truck or, or some form of a vehicle, it's it's very often significant, um, signifying a, a ministry of some kind. Um, and we just had a couple of minutes, and uh, I've already spoken to the people involved with these dreams, but um, uh, the person who, who was ministering with me, we, we knew we just had a couple of minutes to give a very simple gospel to these people for them to be set free. The other person is sent off over to the, the woman and, the, and, and her son inside in the bed, and it, it just so happens that, that that son is actually very sick. And, um, you know, this is the thing. The Lord will give you insight. He will give you words of knowledge. He will give you uh, discernment uh, where you can discern. He will show you exactly what it is that has gone on there and so that you can pray for that person and break that thing and, and, and release healing uh, into, that, into that situation so that they can be delivered and set free. In the second dream, it was very similar, and uh, there were some people there as well, and and there was some some uh, anyway the people that needed to be ministered to. And uh, first of all, they were very emaciated, almost like uh, you know the way that an animal would go if they've had no if they've had no food weeks and weeks, and they and they become totally. Uh, emaciated or, or like prisoners of war from from you know the concentration camps in 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 world war ii and then all of a sudden 
they they were kept uh, these people were were ministered to by by others from our church and uh, the next thing, a couple of weeks later, these people had been fattened up and had put back on condition and flesh and they looked so well and so, so much uh, better. And that's what the Word of God does. You know, p- the world is literally starving. People are starving uh, for the things of God. And like that boy said who saw hell, you know, he said that that they were just so, so thirsty for God. And they knew that they were forever separated from his presence and that it was so, so sad and devastating and unbearable. That's the reality of dying without God, of dying without accepting Jesus, of trying to work out life our own way, work out our own plan of salvation instead of receiving God's plan of salvation and this is it here and it's a very simple thing to be able to share with somebody you know an unbeliever is in Romans chapter 10 verse 8 what does it say the word is near you it's in your mouth and in your heart you see that's the new covenant the new covenant is a speaking covenant and it is a covenant that has been written on our hearts. No longer is God's law written, you know, on the tablets of stone like in the old covenant. Yes, we obey his word and we obey his covenant, but now he's written them on our heart. He's written his laws on our heart and he has given us the authority to speak his word with our mouth. And that is in verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will never be put to shame. Whoever puts their trust in Jesus will never be put to shame. And friend, maybe, you know, we've all had situations in the past, and I know I have anyway, maybe you haven't, but I have. I've lived through a life of shame, of different things that occurred that caused deep, deep shame on me. Things that uh, I had no control over, that, that you know, uh, wounds that were inflicted by other people. And then later on in life, uh, a business that failed and, and it was completely our my own fault and the shame of that. And praise God, whoever believes in Jesus will never be put to shame. There is a, a restoring that happens in the kingdom of God when you come to know the Lord Jesus and when you live for him and honor him he will restore everything. He said he will restore the shame of your youth with double honor. And I believe that's for you today, if you receive it. Receive that that double honor for the things that have gone on in the past where you have been uh, ashamed or where shame has been the result of something that was done to you or something that you lived through. Many people have lived through shame because of being abused or possibly because of of growing up in poverty or lack or growing up with maybe, uh, you know, parents that that were 
had addiction problems or things like that and where shame came on the children because of that. Many others are living through uh, and have come through shame as a result of the iniquity of idolatry. Idolatry brings shame. But anyway, we'll deal with that another time. This is for you. Whoever believes on him will never be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord over all and is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that word there, saved, it's sozo, and it means shall be uh, brought into a place of salvation. Salvation means healed, restored, um, and set free. And the gift of eternal life. That's what to be saved means. It means that when you die and close your eyes on this earth, you will go to be with the Lord in heaven. But it also means that in the meantime, you will live blessed and provided for abundantly upon this earth. Jesus said the thief in John 10.10, he said the thief comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to give you a full life, to give you a blessed life to give you a life of peace and of restoration so that you wouldn't have to suffer and so that you wouldn't have to pay what you could not pay. You and I, we could never pay for our sins. We could never make ourselves right with God. We could never make ourselves holy. And one last scripture in Isaiah chapter 28. And it's verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion, a stone for a foundation. Zion is the body of Christ, is the church. It is us grafted in with Israel, um, one new man before God. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes in him will not act hastily, will not be shaken and will not be put to shame. And also I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plummet. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and the waters will overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. Praise God. You know, what Jesus is saying here is that justice, he came to bring justice for the oppressed. He came to bring justice for those who are being held captive and he came to set the captives free. He is a God of justice and we have uh, been set free from being judged because of the blood of Jesus. We have been justified. That's why he raised Jesus from the dead for our justification. We read it in in Romans chapter um, 10. We are justified because of the blood of Jesus. Praise God. Just going to take a sharp break for a minute. Come back to me. Welcome back, friends. So just to continue, in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 17, 16 and 17, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. 
whoever believes will not act hastily or will not be shaken or will not be put to shame. Also, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plummet. Hallelujah. You know, righteousness as the plummet line there, as the the plumb line is a is a line that they would use to um, to measure stability and it would be, or to measure weight, to measure the depth or the weight of something. They would hang a line with a piece of lead off it and then they would be able to measure the depth of something um, or, or to measure as a leveling kind of an instrument. Um, praise God. So righteousness is the thing that brings a leveling and a stability to us, the knowledge of righteousness, the knowledge of our salvation, that through Jesus Christ we have been redeemed and ransomed back from sin and death and the works and the, and the kingdom of darkness. And we have been brought back as God's children into a place of protection and preservation, of health and healing, of wholeness, of eternal life, of knowing that we don't have to fear death. We do not have to fear like those who don't know. You know, and this is the thing that should be the, the heart cry for all of us to go after the lost sheep as, you know, that's the Father's heart. For those people who have no knowledge of him or for those people whose knowledge of him is based on religion and ritual and keeping, uh, you know, the law. Because what happens is they're, they're, they're veiled from, from being able to enter into intimacy and into relationship with him because they feel unworthy or feel like I need somebody else to, to be the, the bridge between me and God because I could never talk to him. But you see, Jesus because of what he did for us on the cross. He's the one who made the way. He is the sure foundation, the precious cornerstone we read about there. And our faith needs to be on a solid rock of foundation. The rock is Jesus. That's why he said to Peter, blessed are you, Peter, when Peter recognized him as, as being the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, because it was not man who, who divulged this to you, but it was the Spirit of God. You are being led by the Spirit here. And on this rock, on the rock of revelation that you have just had, that I am the Son of God, that's the rock. That I am the Messiah, that's the rock I will build my church and you see, we are his church. When we believe in God, when we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become part of the body of Christ on this earth. And, uh, you know, we, we, our foundation needs to be on the rock, the same rock that Peter had to have his foundation on, which is that Jesus is Lord, that he is Messiah, he is the Son of God, and he is the only way to the Father. And that is the plummet of righteousness, that we have been made right with God, not through anything we did ourselves, but through his blood. And we're going to take the bread and the cup here today, and we're going to share the Lord's table and the, the communion of fellowship. Communion means fellowship. And we're just having fellowship with God and honoring him and being grateful and thankful to him for what he did by sending his son to make us right with him and to heal us, to forgive us and to set us free. In Jesus' name. And you know, every covenant with death needs to be annulled and broken. And many people have a covenant with death and they don't even realize it. 
maybe uh, as as young people or as children, maybe uh, maybe you had some kind of a traumatic incident happen, or maybe even maybe even when you were being born. You know, for many, uh, they're born in 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 very um, stressful situations. Uh, maybe born in an emergency situation where they went into distress in their mother's womb, and and they had to be born really quickly. Um, maybe. Uh, often, you know, the baby has gone blue or has the cord wrapped around their neck or something like that. That's a spirit of death that tried to attack that one. And it needs to be broken. Um, maybe uh, even, you know, something as simple as, as, as somebody saying, I'll kill you someday or, or you know... Um, that'll kill you or something, you know, words that they've spoken out of their mouths that have, have, have brought almost a covenant of death over your life. That needs to be broken and annulled. And that's what Jesus is talking about there in Isaiah. You know, your covenant with death will be annulled. When you set your salvation, when you set your, your hope and your trust on the sure foundation, on the rock that can never, that can never be shaken, and what we read in Romans chapter 10, that our salvation is based on the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did for us and that whoever puts their trust in him will never be put to shame and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We need to realize that those covenants with death are broken, but we need to renounce them and renounce the effect of them over us and over our children in order to be set free from them and and repent for them, really. Um, praise God. And, and just one other scripture I wanted to show you was in, in Job chapter 33. Just to clarify what I said earlier about dreams and how God speaks to people through dreams. In Joel chapter, um, you'll also find it in Joel chapter 2. And he said, you know, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your young men will dream dreams, your old men will see visions, uh, will pour out my spirit on your handmaidens, and whoever puts their trust in the Lord shall be saved. But in Job chapter 33, you can also see in verse 14, um, and I'll read it from the NLT because I like this version. It says, for God speaks again and again. Through, though people do not recognize it. You know, he's constantly speaking to us. And it's it's when we just take that time to quieten down and listen and hear what it is that he is saying, that we hear his voice. And very often that's when we're asleep, <laughs> when we actually shut up and close our mouths and stop all the thinking and the, the reasoning and the going over in our minds. And, you know, uh, this is often why people are tormented because they're going over and over and over and over again in their minds uh, whatever it is that's going on. But anyway, God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. He whispers in their beds. Sorry, he whispers in their ears and terrifies them with warnings. He makes them turn from doing wrong. There are many people who've come to know Jesus because they've had, a, you know, a, a terrifying encounter with his glory and they've repented. And, you know, I, I spoke about that there recently, didn't I, about that man who, who went to church, followed his wife there and told her that he was going to kill her if she went to church again. And he followed her there that night and uh, the pastor stopped 
during uh, his sermon, he, he stopped preaching and he gave an utterance in tongues. And he didn't know what he said, but suddenly that man who had followed his wife there intending on killing her because he, he had given her an awful life and uh, he he demanded that she not go to church anymore, but she went to church anyway because, you know, who are we to obey? Are we to obey God or men? And uh, anyway, that's a whole other teaching. And uh, he, the, the pastor gave an utterance in tongues that went on for a couple of minutes uh, in, a, in a tongue, in a language he hadn't used before ever. He, he'd never heard himself speak in tongues like that before. And this man came running from the back of the church screaming, no, 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 not me, not me. And uh, it was it was the woman's husband. And when she saw him, she she was just shocked. And he was crying and screaming um, at the altar, asking the pa- holding on to the pastor's feet and saying, "Please, no, no, no." And the pastor quietened him down and said, "What is wrong with you?" <laughs> and he said, "What you spoke, you spoke in my natural, in my native dialect from from some part of Greece." Um, it wasn't even Greek he spoke. It was a dialect uh, of Greek. And he said, you spoke perfectly in my native dialect. And, and, and you told me that God has seen everything I have done and that that is his daughter that I have been abusing and that he is going to kill me tonight and he's going to send my soul into hell. And he had a terrifying encounter with the Lord because he, he had been living his life in absolute cruelty to, towards his wife. And listen, you know, we're going to do a teaching in a couple, I'm not sure when, but on marriage. We need to make sure that we are treating our spouse, our husband or our wife, that we are treating them the way God wants us to treat them. Uh, Because I'll tell you, your husband or your wife, they're a child of the Most High God. And we need to make sure that we are that we are honoring our covenant of marriage and that we are honoring our, our husband or our wife, whoever it is. But anyway, getting off tangent here again. So many people have had terrifying encounters with God in the night, have had dreams or, or you know, and, and, and they're petrified and they don't. And I, I would say to you, friend, if you have had a dream, listen, share it with somebody who, you know, someone, you can email us or, or you can ring or whatever, and, and we'll, we'll pray about it and go through the dream. Now, often there are dreams that are nightmares where, where the enemy visits with people at night um, and, and torments them in their sleep. And, and that needs to be broken. That can often come from childhood even or from a massive trauma that occurred. That can be an open door for nightmares. I'm not talking about nightmares here. I'm talking about an encounter with the Lord. He's, you know, He says he whispers in their ears and he terrifies them with warnings. He makes them turn from doing wrong and he keeps them from pride. He protects them from the grave, from crossing over the river of death. Or God disciplines people with pain on their sickbeds, with ceaseless achings in their bones. They lose their appetite for even the most delicious food. Their flesh wastes away and their bones stick out. They are at death's door and the angels of death wait for them. This is spiritually speaking now. This is, you know, in the spirit this is speaking. But if an angel from heaven appears, a special messenger to intercede for a person and declare that he is upright or declare that he is righteous, 
He will be gracious and say, rescue him from the grave, for I have found a ransom for his life. And then his body will become as healthy as a child's, firm and youthful again. When he prays to the Lord, he will be accepted and God will receive him with joy and restore him to good standing. He will declare to his friends, I sinned and twisted the truth, but it was not worth it. God rescued me from the grave and now my life is filled with light. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is what the Lord does. You know, he he rescues people where they're at. And there are many who have been involved in sin and in in and in iniquities and deprivation and all kinds of, of wrong things in their lives. They've been living their life for the devil and not for God. And they have opened the door where the devil has been uh, given access to bring sickness and, and wasting away upon that person. And I'm not saying this is all cases of sickness now, but in certain cases of sickness, there are things coming down the generations, iniquities, idolatry, sin and perversion that have opened the door for for things to come on people's lives, curse to come on where, where sickness manifests in the physical body. But God says, you know, if someone intercedes for him, that someone is Jesus and declares that he is upright, brings to him the free gift of righteousness. Righteousness is the plummet. Righteousness is, righteousness is the leveling instrument. It, was, it is what has leveled our lives and made us right with God. Jesus' righteousness given to us as a free gift at the cross. He took our sin. He gave us his righteousness. And he declares that we are upright. That's why we can plead the blood of Jesus against the enemy and against sickness and against disease and against death. That is why we can annul those covenants and and, and break every covenant with death over our lives and over our families. All failure, you know, death is is another word for failure. Uh, What death is, is failure of life. So anywhere there's failure in your life, that's a covenant of death. And it needs to be renounced, repented for, broken and and replaced with God's promises and his word. And God cries out, he says, rescue him from the grave, for I have found a ransom for his life. Who was the ransom for you and I, for our lives? It was Jesus. He paid our ransom note with his life. And what happens then? Then his body will become as healthy as a child's, firm and youthful again. Like we read earlier in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. He fills my mouth with good things so that my youth is restored like the eagles. Does that mean that you need to go away and get a facelift or, or have some sagging lines removed or whatever? No, what it means is inside, in the spirit realm, even in your face, there will be a difference. Yes, there will, because you'll be radiant with joy. You know, the enemy has tried to wear you down and tried to age you before your time. That is not God's best for you. It is not God's best that you be like that woman we spoke about the last in the last podcast, the woman with a spirit of infirmity, where pain or whatever trauma that she'd been through had so crippled and paralyzed her that it bent her in half. That is not God's best for you, friend. What happens as you get a... a a fresh revelation of righteousness, of what Jesus did for you and for me. What happens is your body will become as healthy as a child, firm and youthful again. When he prays to God, he will be accepted and God will receive him with joy and restore him to good standing. In Jesus' name, amen.
So we're going to take this cup and this bread and we're going to break bread and we're going to rejoice and celebrate our covenant which has been written in the blood of Jesus, the new covenant that has made us righteous, made us right with God as if we had never sinned. Amen. How am I going to do this with only one hand <laughs> and holding a phone? Well, I have the use of my thumb at the moment. Praise God. <laughs> we'll take the bread. We'll say it together. Father God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesus, your son, to be the ransom for me. Jesus, you paid the price for my sins. You paid the price for my weakness, for my sickness, for my torment, for my turmoil. You pay the price with your body and with your life. You laid it down for me. And you said, Lord Jesus, that no longer am I your servant, but now I am your friend. You gave me the gift of righteousness so I could become a child of God. And Father, I come to you today and I choose to sit on your lap, to nestle in and snuggle in and allow you to cradle me in your arms so that I can hear your heartbeat, Father, and your heart beats with love for me. I ask you today to calm me down. You said, Lord, that you sing songs of victory and deliverance over me to calm all my fears. And I choose today, Lord, to come into that place of quietness, of hearing your love for me, of receiving that love, I pray, Lord, that you would open up my receiver to receive everything that you won for me at the cross. Peace, restoration, refreshment, healing, eternal life. Knowledge that when I close my eyes on this earth, eventually, when I'm 120, that I will go to be with you. And that in the meantime, that I will live a life that is fruitful and that is blessed, that is peaceful and that is full of joy on this earth as I live it for you, Lord Jesus. I ask you today to be my Lord and my Savior and I receive your healing power that comes from eating this bread. It's a piece of bread, Lord. That's all it is. It's a cracker to remind me that your body was broken so that my body could be healed and so that I could be made whole and have peace. I eat this bread today, Jesus. I remember what you did for me until you come again. Amen. You can take the bread. Hallelujah. Now we take the cup. And we'll say together, Father God, this cup reminds me of the new covenant that you wrote in the blood of your son, Jesus. Jesus, you paid the ransom note for me. You paid the penalty so that I could be set free and made right with God. I receive that free gift of righteousness today. And I know that I am a child of God and that I am as right with you, Father, as if I had never sinned. Because when you see me, you no longer see who I used to be. You see Jesus. And I rejoice today, Lord. I ask you to correct my thinking, correct my mind, to let me see myself the way you see me, and to let me see other people, even my enemies, the way you see them, Father. I thank you for your love flowing in my heart today, Lord. 
the love that you have for me, that you gave your only son so that I could be saved, delivered, healed and set free and made right with you. And I thank you, Lord, that you will pour your love out through me and use me as a vessel of honor to bring your light, your love, your peace, your joy and your freedom by the power of your spirit everywhere I go. I dedicate my life to you. I dedicate my family to you. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for speaking to me that I will hear your voice and I will follow you. I will not follow the voice of the stranger. I thank you for speaking to me in dreams and visions during the night and during the day and that you will instruct me in the plans that you have for my life and for my family and they are good plans. Hallelujah. I rejoice today, Father, and I receive it by faith in the name of Jesus. I take this cup now in remembrance of you, Jesus. You took the cup of blessing that night when you took that last meal with your disciples and you said, do this in remembrance of me. And today I say, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, and take up your reign. Amen. And take your cup. Hallelujah. And that's it. It's not a ritual. It's a relationship and it's intimacy. Intimacy. You know what intimacy means? It means into me see intimacy that's what he wants to have with you it's nothing perverse or or, or perverted or, or sexual it's nothing like that it's intimacy where you realize that he knows everything about you <laughs> and he loves you and it's where you learn and grow in your knowledge of him in jesus name be blessed friend god bless you